What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to make refreshing changes to your kitchen and bath. We do it right, too, with up to 40% off select kitchen and bath essentials during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. That's up to 40% off faucets, vanities, shower heads, and more. For kitchen and bath updates that keep you within budget, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Valley, coming at you, as always, with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, just mesmerizing co-host, Andy <laughs> Bailey. Always something new. I'm trying to. I try and come off of it off the cuff, but again, I'm running out of words. It's becoming more difficult. Before we really dive in here, I just want to thank everyone who's continued to leave us reviews and ratings on iTunes. We very much appreciate it. Um, we would just ask that you keep them coming. If you have not rated us on iTunes, take the 10, 15, 10 to 15 seconds out of your day to please go do that. We also appreciate you guys leaving reviews and, and comments. A- Andy and I send them back and forth to each other in the Hardwood Knox te- text message thread, so that's always fun. Also, you can still get 15% off at the mbamath.com shop. That is mbamath.com slash shop. Promo code Benno, B-E-N-O. That should be easy to remember since we shout him out at the end of every podcast that Andy Bailey is on. Today, uh, as we keep our year-end NBA season podcast thing going, whatever you want to call it, we move on to our basically final one with the all NBA teams, which were just brutal to select, especially because we weren't planning on recording this today until we realized um, that we just wrote down the playoff schedule wrong or misinterpreted or just didn't understand our schedules. So here we are recording it now, and, and it was absolutely brutal. But before we hop in to this part, I have to ask, because the people demand it, how are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing great. Um, I will wrap up my bar application after we finish recording and then i'll be about a thousand dollars poorer just to just to apply to take the test is a thousand dollars pass. (laughs) seriously so there's that and then like you said picking these teams was brutal um i initially i went through and and did some number stuff to try and get myself off the hook and just do a totally objective how'd that go for you uh first second and third teams and it's it was fine but i looked at it and i just i just didn't feel quite okay with it so i still tried to cobble my own first second and third teams together and i might feel even more uncomfortable about that one but it like you said it was just really really hard it's to get it down to and it's it's not just finding the top 15 players it's fitting them within the positional constructs. It, exactly. If I could just do a straight up top fifteen, I feel like it would be a lot easier. But um, 
That's a podcast idea. Fitting them onto. We're going to need to do a top 15 or top 20 player ones where we don't <laughs> got to worry about positions. Maybe we can do that after the playoffs or something. But yeah, it was it was tough. I'm I'm ready to try and talk through it though. Now, and I think this is where we'll where we'll start. We want to go on the. You want to go third team and work our way back. Sure. Um, where it really got tough for me is because I shot myself in the foot by claiming something on the prior podcast that really just made it harder to flesh out the the forward front in this. I don't know if you found that. Not saying you made the same declaration I did about a certain someone who will come up later. But just that it was, it just became extremely difficult um, to finish out the the forward spots to where both you and I said this before the podcast. We got to a point where we considered putting Otto Porter on the third team, and Robert Covington's name even popped up into my head for a minute there. I ultimately didn't go that route, but um, I will start things off. What do we want to do? Guards. We'll start at the guard spot. Sure. I I went with Victor Oladipo for my my third team pick. I considered putting him on second team, but I just don't think he still has the cachet of saying, wow, he's been the third or fourth best guard in the NBA this year. I will, however, say when you look at his catch-all metrics, uh, total points added at NBA Math, real plus minus from ESPN.com, PER, and value over replacement player from last year, he ranked as basically maybe a top 150 player last year. And this season, when you look at all those, he's just a patented top 15 player overall, which is, you said, hey, this isn't a straight top 15 rankings, but that certainly makes you feel better about throwing him on an all-NBA team to begin with. And I I just think it's well-deserved. You look at what the Pacers have done. They're almost going to win 50 games. He's been a huge part of that. You look at their on-off differential when he's, with and without him, it's one of the largest among all marquee names in the league. I, I believe last time I looked, it was one of the five largest. And their offense, the shot selection isn't great, but they do an okay job getting out in transition. He can get to the foul line. They have a top 10 offense right now. They have the third best crunch time net rating, which I also found interesting. And he's been a pretty big part of their defense, which ranks first in efficiency during crunch time. He's just had a spectacular year, lock for most improved player in my mind. And I think we can sit here and say that this season, I don't know how you would rank him going forward, but this season he's been, bar none, positions, whatever, one of the 20 best players in the game. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I actually have him as a third team guard as well. Um like I said, I, I gave myself a couple different exercises with this. And one of them that I tried to just be completely objective was I took real plus minus, real plus minus wins, box plus minus, wins over replacement player, win shares per 48 minutes, win shares, and PER. That's seven different catch-all metrics. Uh, three of them are cumulative, so the more you play – the more you get. So it kind of rewards guys who actually, you know, play a lot of minutes um, and should theoretically hurt guys like Stephen Curry who missed a lot of time. Um, I averaged everyone's ranks in those seven numbers. And here's who the third team guards would be if, if we went with that. It'd be Russell Westbrook and Jimmy Butler. Um, but for me, I went ahead and put Victor Oladipo. Like I said, I, I agree with you there. Um, I think he, he probably did have a case for second team, as you were saying, and I think it probably would have been stronger a few weeks ago. I feel like he's faded, um, a little bit since the all-star break Mm -hmm. still his overall numbers this season have just been ridiculous. And we talked about it quite a bit on the last podcast. So I I don't want to like retread 
too much of what we already said, but 23 points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals, and just basically winning <laughs> the Paul George trade, something that I don't think anybody could have forecast, is just, um, it's insane. And I th- he, he deserves to be recognized in some form, and it, he will get recognized for most improved player. I'm sure, I'm sure that's going to happen, but... I felt like an all-team, all-NBA team selection was probably warranted for him as well. Who was your other third-team guard? I, like, kind of just changed this on the fly, and I already don't feel great about it, but I went with Russell Westbrook. Let me just say that I don't feel great about a lot of my picks. I know. I feel like there are people, especially when we get to the bigs, too, I just feel like there are It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Anyway, um, go ahead. Sorry. I put Russell Westbrook, and I initially had him as a second-team pick. And you just you still look at Oklahoma City how dependent they are just on those on off court uh, differentials. They are with him in the game a plus five point four points per one hundred possessions. Without him, minus five point one, which is just by far and away the the worst net rating or the highest net rating differential on the team. And so he's still important to what they do. He's still essentially averaging a triple double. I just cannot get past. The inefficiencies. I just, I can't, I, I, I can't do it. You, you look at a guy who, yes, he's shooting 45% from the field overall, which at first glance doesn't really look that bad, but under 33% from three. His effective field goal percentage is, is under 48. Um, his true shooting percentage this year is 52.5. It's just not, I, I, you can't trust him to always make the, to take the right shot. And he just, he takes, so many of those long twos and doesn't really hit them at a high clip. 21% of his shots have come between 16 feet and the three-point line. He's hitting them at 39.5%. That's above what it was last year than 34.5, but you move into 10 to 16 feet where 15% of his shots come and he's shooting 38.3% from there. Just his decision-making can be off and he he seems to force things so much down the stretch of game. And I, I get that it doesn't help that Carmelo Anthony has not been shooting the ball well. I also understand that Paul George, I don't want to use the word overrated, but he's he's never been the best just from scratch guy. With He's a beast in the playoffs, but it seems like he can't run a whole offense, and there's a certain magnetism to what Westbrook does. I appreciate everything he does, even with them inflating his rebounding numbers. They're To me, they're, they're still absolutely absurd. I, I just I couldn't bring myself to put him... Um, second team and it helps that he's been healthier and you know we can split hairs there but I I ended up throwing him on the third team just because he's going to take defensive possessions off and you cannot trust his offensive shot selection by any means my my second third team guard uh that's the this is one of the spots I agonized over um Kemba Walker I'm just gonna throw it out there I love it (laughs) the Charlotte Hornets we're not good this year. Um, they they probably weren't even mediocre. I'm, I, for some reason, I can't find their record. There they are, 35 and 46 right now at the time of this recording. Nowhere near the playoffs. But Kemba Walker, personally, um, he's just been fantastic all season long. His, his end of season numbers, 22 points, 6 assists, 38% from 3, um, an effective field goal percentage of almost 52 a true shooting percentage of 57. Just very, very good numbers across the board. But here's here's the main reason I went with Kemba Walker. And we've talked about this on the podcast a few times. When he was on the floor this season, even with as bad as Charlotte was, 
they were plus 3.1 points per 100 possessions as long as Kemba was playing. When he was off the floor, they were minus 8 points per 100 possessions. It's just a massive swing, especially for a team um, that's sort of where they are in the standings. To go from you know, pretty good to one of the worst teams in the league without your best player on the floor, um, his impact was just massive all season long. And it's kind of hard for me to put a sub five a, te- a player from a sub five hundred team onto my third team All NBA, mm-hmm. but I just felt like that that's kind of been his case all season long. It is <laughs> when he's on the floor, they're not a sub five hundred team. If that makes sense, I mean, they at least don't play like it. Um, so, so, like I said, this is one that I agonized over, and it's I I'm going to say this probably like five times over the course of this recording, but I'm not super comfortable with my all nba teams but that's where i settled was was kemba walker as my second guard for 13 um i think that's solid they did start to figure out kind of how to score without him later in the season but he he had a really good year he there was like a point i think he was coming back from a shoulder injury where he just wasn't shooting the ball well but he kind of rebounded from there and again yeah his i hadn't looked at his three-point percentage in a while until i was you know going over his stuff today trying to make the this decision and I was actually surprised it was 38 I thought it had dipped down lower than that but it, he must have recovered like you said moving on to the third team forwards this is where I started to mess with the uh, ditto with the selections a bit and I'm not even going to look at this as messing with something if it was close the positional distribution I think you're justified in putting someone where you want them to go I put DeMar DeRozan as my small forward I also voted him into the all-star game as a small forward which threw people off Cleaning the glass says that he has logged 56% of his minutes at the small forward spot. It kind of tracks when you think about he's played more than 550 possessions with Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet on the floor. You throw Dellen Wright in there, and that's going to add possessions onto that too. It's closer than people at least think, even if you don't consider him a small forward, which most people won't. But I think he deserved to be on an All-NBA team. Kyle Lowry has very clearly been better than him, I would say, for at least the last month, if not longer. But he, DeMar DeRozan has had a sensational season. He's not all of a sudden this knockdown three-point shooter. And if you've been watching the Raptors lately, you can kind of see that. He was for about a month. Right. Uh, I mean, 31.4%, though, is it's not a career high. It's the second highest mark of his career, I believe. But it's it's enough to where you have to guard him, especially if he's going to take of 3.8 attempts per 36 minutes. Again, not a huge number, but that's a career high. So just knowing that he's willing to shoot them, his playmaking out of the pick and roll, forget his scoring, which is still good. His playmaking out of the pick and roll has just never been better. He has a career high assist rate right now at 25. I respect what he can really do on the offensive end. And he's shooting almost 68% around the rim. That's a solid percentage. He is at when, when you look at just the marks, um, 10 to 16 feet, he's shooting 44%. That's a nice sweet spot. And he's at over, he's at nearly 41% on long twos between 16 feet and the three-point line, which is also good. So I think he's he's still not a, a great defender. Uh, his He can be inattentive off the ball a lot. It'll be interesting to see. What I've seen lately anyway is that he, he kind of seems to be reverting and the Raptors in general just to some past habits where you're dribbling in from beyond the arc to settle for a long two and the offense just doesn't seem like it's running through its motions and it'll be interesting to see whether he holds up this reinvention of 
his or the team's holds up in the playoffs, but I, I think he's been more than good enough to throw him on an all-NBA team, even if he wanted to use him as a guard. But the opportunity to put him in as a forward arose, and, and I seized it. All right, the strictly by the numbers forwards were Otto Porter and Paul George. Just throwing that out there. And that is largely because there was, I mean, there was a lot of centers and uh, guards in front of those two. You had to go pretty far down the list to get six forwards, which I found interesting. My personal first forward, and I had to fudge positions a lot more than you just did. Um, <laughs> I said Ben Simmons was a forward, oh, knowing boy. full well. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Knowing full well that he's probably played like 95% of the season at point guard. I feel like there was maybe some minutes early in the season when Jared Bayless was out there and you could claim that he was I'm pretty like sure the Donovan Mitchell has actually locked more time as small forward. <laughs> that's, that's probably true. Um, but I, I just, I'm just going to say he's six foot ten and he's built like a forward, so I'm going to cheat and make him a forward. And one of the reasons <laughs> is... <like> <laughs> I just kind of explained it with my all numbers team. Um, it was it was a lot harder to find six forwards than I thought it would be. It's it was brutal to narrow down the guards and the centers for this exercise, and uh, so I had to fudge positions here and there to sort of get what I found to be an acceptable team. And that, for that, I have Ben Simmons as a forward and. He's another guy we've talked about in recent episodes. Um, we went over his, uh, what I think is is pretty much an unbeatable case for rookie of the year. But the raw numbers, it's just every time you see him or hear him are just crazy. Not just for a rookie, but for any player to put up 16, 8, and 8 is just insane. And he's not, you know, I get the shooting criticisms, but I don't think it's, hampering in the way that it is for someone like Rajon Rondo mm-hmm. um, or, or some other, you know, quote, traditional or true point guards. The guy's six foot ten and, and he can get to the paint whenever he wants. If you wanna if you want to play off him, that's fine. He'll just he'll just drive in and dunk on you or, or lay it in. It's um, I think he is different and it helps that he's like six to seven inches taller than any other point guard who's had this issue of not quite being able to shoot. Um, so I, I, I find I find no reason really to fault him for that at this point. And just the raw numbers are insane to me. And in the end, I ended up putting him on third team. I know we we said in the last episode that we both kind of flirted with this idea, and I, I even cheated to make it happen. So <laughs> he is my uh, first third team forward. I think if you can get past the fact of where you put him, putting him on an all-NBA team in general is not hard at all to accept. I definitely had to, uh, like I said, fudge the positions a little bit. Um, my second forward pick uh, aligns with what you did with the numbers, and that, yeah, was, I, Paul, that was Paul George. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, is my second forward pick. He has been a beast defensively a lot this year. I don't. I, I do believe that losing Andre Robertson probably hurt his case to make an All-NBA team a little bit. Uh, if you look at the Thunder's defensive rating when he plays without Andre Robertson this year, it is not good, um, according to Cleaning the Glass. It is at 111.2 points, there, the Thunder allowing per 100 possessions in those situations. I still just respect what he can do defensively because he's carrying a lot of responsibility now because Robertson is not... Um, in the lineup with them 
And I'm hoping that I'm not projecting too much that postseason Paul George is about to come to life into these rankings because he just always seems to be a beast in the playoffs. And so maybe that's why um, I might be favoring him a little bit. But the other thing is he's hitting more than 30, uh, almost 40% of his threes. He's at 39.7% from beyond the arc this year. He's adjusted to playing alongside Russell Westbrook, it seems, much better than Carmelo Anthony ever has he's still getting to the free throw line a good amount at least relative to his role and even last year his free throw rate is actually higher this year than it was last year he can still be a guy who's going to run you a situational pick and roll I don't think and this is where he might be a little bit overrated and perhaps easier to defend in crunch time is that I don't think you can trust him to just be your primary playmaker on the court for long stretches but as that secondary guy uh absolutely positively he is shooting also one of the only guys on Oklahoma City who can hit a shot in crunch time this year he's shooting 30 shooting under 40 percent overall down down the stretch of clutch games but he's 39.3 percent from beyond the arc and it's I I get like just you can look at some of the playing time discrepancies and you can look at Russell Westbrook is going to be the primary decision maker in these situations. Carmelo Anthony averaging 15.8 points in uh, 15.8 field goal attempts per 36 minutes in crunch time compared to Paul George's 11.7 field goal attempts in crunch time is a fucking tragedy. That's just, (laughs) it's I'm sorry. That's just, that is flat out. Um, And I, Again, I respect the work that he's had to do this year. He's come closer to kind of a job. I'm sorry. I feel like I left you in shambles <laughs> over there. But he's been – I think he's been good enough to make an All-NBA team. If – I will say this. If I was going to have thrown Al Horford into a forward spot or if I was going to have thrown the Marcus Aldridge into a forward spot, he would not have made it. He would have been my, my first cut. So I, I will say that. But I do think he's been good enough – to make it here, and I'm very interested to see, as I use the word interested again, what he decides to do in free agency this summer. That definitely will be interesting. Um, I guess maybe it depends a lot on what they do in the playoffs. Um, I mean, it seems like he's sort of developed a little bit of rapport or chemistry with Russell Westbrook, so that's, I mean, Thunder fans at least have to the other, oh, Be the, somewhat optimistic. And yeah, the other thing I wanted to say, and I, I want to see more of this lineup from the Thunder because it really, I think if you just give George someone who can be a little bit switchable defensively, he doesn't have to guard the toughest guy like Robertson did, but if you play him alongside Jeremy Grant, you can just see the full extent of his defense because he needs to be able to take some gambles and to have just a little bit of freedom to do that. I don't think that's a huge ask. And I was looking before this in the 100 possessions that... George has played with Alex Abrinas, Westbrook, Grant, and Steven Adams this year. The Thunder are plus 31.9 points per 100 possessions. That's their net rating, and they're, both their defensive and offensive ratings has been spectacular. And I think that's kind of the blueprint. A guy like Abrinas, you know he's going to space the floor on offense for you, but defensively you have someone with Grant who can at least split some of the perimeter responsibilities with you. How many possessions did you say? A hundred, and it's a plus huh? yeah, net rating plus thirty one. I just think it's something to see more. That's about a game they've played together, yeah. really. If that, so. Well, I did. You mentioned that he might not have made your third team if you had made Lamarcus Aldridge a forward, and I cheated again. Um, and I did make Love Lamarcus Aldridge a forward. He played, I believe, over sixty percent of his minutes at center, according to Basketball Reference. I don't know what Cleaning the Glass says. 
I'll look um, while you're talking, but I'm, I, think sure he was, I think he was like at 62 was the last time I checked. I really wanted to put him in. it says in. on yeah. basketball reference. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm willing to cheat for this exercise. So I made him a forward as well. And he actually made for my by-the-numbers one, he was the third-team center. So he made it on numbers alone too. So shout-out to him for that. Um, I just felt like somebody had to get in from the Spurs, even though you know they're 47. And Kyle Anderson 30. is actually a forward, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I tried to push you to put him onto you. <laughs> I know you did. But you resisted. Um, let the listeners know Rose that that's what happened. Um, 47 and 34, and, and you know – Maybe they finished 47 and 35, 48 and 34. Either way, it's like a little bit of a letdown for the Spurs. But, and then how many straight years did they win 50? Like 19 or something crazy like that? The equivalent of it, I think it was two decades. So just like from that sense, it felt like a letdown. We're just not used to seeing the Spurs mm-hmm. come up short of 50. Um, but Kawhi Leonard was out the entire season. He played nine games. Uh, but he didn't quite look himself in those nine games, and it was just sort of randomly sprinkled into the middle of the season. So LaMarcus Aldridge was clearly the guy all season long. And when he was on the floor, the Spurs scored 108 points per 100 possessions this season. When he was off, that number cratered all the way down to 101.8. He was their offense all season. And I think you had some crazy numbers on him a few episodes back about him like, he had made more turnaround fadeaways than some teams, right? <laughs> yeah, he's made more turnaround fadeaways this season than more than two-thirds of the NBA's teams. That's crazy. Um, he has this sort of old-school game, and, and I feel like Greg Popovich has allowed him to embrace that. They dump the ball into the post uh, you know, more than, I think, just about any team in the league, and they can get away with it because LaMarcus Aldridge has been that good. Um his 23.3 points per game, I'm looking this up on the fly, is just barely below his career high. He averaged 23.4 one year in Portland. But I'm pretty sure his offensive, yeah, his offensive box plus minus this season is a career high. His win shares per 48 minutes um, is second highest in his career. His PER is a career high. True shooting percentage, career high. Um He's just had a heck of a season. The Spurs are in the playoffs, and I think he is he's probably the biggest reason why. So I, I bumped him down a spot, made him one of my forwards, and he's on the third team. I'm all for cheating there, 100%. I mean, and the way they started games for a good chunk of the season with Pau Gasol um, being there, you could argue that he would have been the four in the situation. It's, it's so tough to distinguish because the thing with DeMar DeRozan is, oh, he's technically their starting shooting guard. We just we need to abolish and positions. Yeah, we need to abolish positions for sure. There's so many lineups where guys are just interchangeable. And I, yeah, and I say this as someone who has to write articles all the time about positions. So, it's I mean, it's just yeah. the, um, Aldridge, though, is shooting. Getting rid of him for all NBA teams would be, like, a good place to yeah, start. Yeah, that's too. like, yeah. I mean, they do it. You don't have to worry about positions on all rookie. Why do we have to – let's do it with all yeah, the defense. And, um, Aldridge, though, is updated. He's shooting 58.6% on turnaround fadeaways this season. It's incredible. A- and the other thing with the Spurs, just a, a quick note that they're in the playoffs, their now most used lineup, which I believe is going to be their starting lineup, you have Murray, Mills, 
Danny Green, Kyle Anderson, LaMarcus Aldridge, outscoring opponents by 15.4 possessions, uh, per 100 possessions on the season. And that's now their most used lineup of the year. That's going to be, they could be scary. They're going to be interesting for sure. Even uh, without Kawhi, their you know, game planning and everything else that goes into the Spurs machine is going to make them interesting. My third team center was Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. And he is just, I don't, I don't, he, I'm, I almost feel like people, they trumpeted him too much last year, and now it's become this cool thing to either ignore him or try and downplay him or, or just say he's not as good. The whole argument that maybe he's a top 10 player already or top 15, that seems to have died down, but the dude averaged 18 point is averaging because he has a game left to play as we're recording this 18.2 points 10.7 rebounds and 6.1 assists per game for the entire season the nuggets defense Those numbers are just insane right and the by the way the nuggets defense while it's still not good with him on the floor it is statistically better he's going and has been every year he's been in the nba and because there's because there's value in ending a possession with a defensive rebound that's defensive value. And then Ben Falk over at Cleaning the Glass, who we, you know, we data mine his stats all the time, he also pointed out that the Nuggets give up fewer attempts at the rim uh, when Nikola Jokic is in the game, and there's value there as well. How much of that is Jokic, um, or how much of that is the surrounding personnel? If he's going to play, you have Paul Millsap, you have Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, like those guys just being on the perimeter, being able to stay in front of guys, that could factor into it. Really, his his biggest defensive flaw is that he just can't, defend well in space and i think we could say that about a crap ton of big guys watching Mm -hmm. him get beat off the dribble from screens and the other thing with him is over his last 25 games andy 21.6 points 11.2 rebounds 7.3 assists 1.2 steals one block he's slashing 53.3 46.5 on four three-point attempts per game and 85.8 percent shooting from the foul line the dude is just absolutely unreal, and I'm just going to go on record as saying right now, I'm, I hope the Nuggets get into the playoffs over the Timberwolves because they're going to be so much more entertaining to watch because of him. Mm-hmm. Guess where he came in on that average of the seven numbers? Uh, am I giving rank. you a rank or all-NBA team? Rank. Rank? I'm going to say— Regardless of position. I'm going to say 12th. Sixth. Holy shit. <laughs> James Harden, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Yanni Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jokic. He, I do know he's fifth in ESPN's real plus minus. I didn't know every every other catch all loved him that much. Yeah, yeah, they, I mean, they, they all love him at this point. There was maybe two or three months ago, he had a ridiculous February, and basically from that point on, he's been like last season's version of Jokic, and maybe even a little bit better. Um. And he's just been soaring up leaderboards for all this stuff. So who'd you have? And then I was going to say, um, my third team center was Carl Anthony Towns. Ooh. Um, and like I said, the third team center by the numbers was Aldridge. Um, Towns is <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, we just went over how good Nikola Jokic's numbers are he is towns is right there with him i think i think one of the great tragedies of this season is he's taking four fewer shots a game than he did last season um which is really unfortunate because if you if you search 
you know, players that have taken as many shots as Towns has over the course of his first three seasons, his effective field goal percentage is up there with like the great shooters of all time. Um, and this guy's six foot. No, he's seven foot. He's seven foot ten. I was about to say he's six foot eleven, but he's seven foot. Um, this season, he his effective field goal percentage is near nearly sixty. He's scoring over twenty one points on just over fourteen shots per game. He's shooting forty two percent from three. He's averaging twelve point three rebounds. Um, that, that I don't know how many big men we've seen this ridiculously efficient from all over the. Before his true shooting percentage is almost sixty-five. It's just been an incredible season, wow. and I think if Jimmy Butler hadn't gotten hurt, uh, there's no way Minnesota is in this situation that they're in right now. No, um, that duo, Butler and Towns, to me was was right up there with the very, very best uh, in the league, and it's it's unfortunate for Wolves fans, but I, I mean, it's I like it for the drama. It'll be fun to watch the play-in game tomorrow. Um, and I'm with you. I kind of want to see the Nuggets get in. Not kind of. I mean, I'll be honest. I really want to see the Nuggets get in. <laughs> but Carl Anthony Towns has just been unbelievable this season. And even as I'm like glancing over his basketball reference sheet while we talk, I, I kind of feel – I mean, it's crazy to see him on third team with such incredible numbers. But the two guys I have ahead of him were, have been ridiculous this season too. So he is my um, third team All-NBA center. You want to change it up? You want to kick us off with the second team All-NBA center? Sure. Um, by the numbers, second team All-NBA center was actually Carl Anthony Towns. Um, <laughs> so I don't need to say much more about that. My second team center was Nikola Jokic, who we already talked about quite a bit. I'm not sure how much more I can add. I felt like you made a very, very strong case for him. I guess the one thing that maybe... I should do is justify having him over Towns. Um, I feel like he's carrying a bit heavier load in Denver. Like I said, I think a lot of Minnesota's success had to do with Jimmy Butler, and not to discount Towns, but that's that's another top five to ten level player when he's healthy. Um, I don't think Nikola Jokic has that in Denver. And then the other thing is, I ran these numbers and tweeted them out maybe like a week ago. Maybe it's been more recently than that. But if you combine Jokic's points with his points generated by assists, um, he's putting up comfortably more per game than Carl Anthony Towns. So although Towns um, does score more, the, the value that Jokic adds as a passer is just insane to me. Um, and this is another thing we've talked about in another episode. He's a top five passer in the NBA. Combine that with the rebounding, the touch around the rim. Um, he's, he's, I'm actually pretty tempted to make him first team all NBA, but in the end, I, I bumped him down to second. He accounts for a fun fact: almost twenty six point six percent of Denver's total offense when you factor in points generated off assists and his scoring. That is more than uh, a guy like Kyle Lowry in Toronto. It's more than Kyrie Irving in Boston. Even though Kyrie huh. Irving's missed a bunch of time, so that's not. It's right around yeah. where Donovan Mitchell is um, for Utah. So shout out to Donovan Mitchell there. So, I mean, we're talking about, I mean, it's more than Goran Dragic, Spencer Dinwiddie. It's more than these po- starting point guards. So, it's, it's absolutely incredible to say that of a big. He's been unbelievable. I went for second team with Joel Embiid. And I know he's going to end up with just 63 appearances and blah, blah, blah. But you said you implemented a 2,000-minute minimum for your statistical ones. He's at over well, 1,900 minutes, which is. My, 
my statistical one was 1500 my personal one was 2000 to make things easier on myself oh okay well 1900 minutes is substantial the sixers outscoring opponents by 11.6 points per 100 possessions when he's on the floor even with um his turnover woes their turnover rate is lower when he's on the floor the what he does on offense, he's not shooting the three ball as well this year, but he's still a force. He can he can drive the ball, and it seems like he looks to do that more than shoot anyway this year. Just the moves he busts out in the post sometimes are incredible, and even when you know he's going to shoot, he he passes out 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 of the post, out of double teams. He should probably do it more and do it quickly. He sometimes takes too long doing that, and that's where some of his turnovers can come from. But he just he's such a force that he's going to score anyway. And the other thing I looked up is that, and this is, he had a real case to win Defensive Player of the Year before going down. I think now you have to give it to Rudy Gobert. But what I did was I looked at the expected value you're supposed to yield at the rim, opponent field goal percentage, and then I just saw who saved the most value um, at the rim this season. It was total value. So it's how many points they're saving per shot times how many shots they've defended this year, essentially. Joel Embiid comes in at fourth. And this is a guy who is going to have missed almost 20 games this year. That's absolutely incredible. And the, t- the yeah. first of all, the top three names were funny. Pau Gasol is first, Nurkic is second, Pirtle is, is third. But he he's just spectacular, and, and he he's just this huge... Uh, he's just this huge boon for the Sixers, an emotional boon, yes, but he he backs it up on the court, and and he's a patented star already, and I I do feel comfortable putting him second team, even though, again, it came at this selection comes at the expense of Al Horford or or LaMarcus Aldridge, guys who are arguably uh, close to as good as him. I'm glad you brought that up because I I did 1,500 minutes for my numbers one because that's the – that's the number that basketball reference uses for season by season leaderboards to just like make it easier on myself for my own personal picks. I bumped it up to 2000, which eliminated some pretty big names and Joel Embiid was one of them. And I wasn't, I wasn't completely sure I was going to have him on any team anyway, but I felt like this would give me an easy out. (laughs) So yeah, he's that's, that is at least one reason that he's not, um, on any of these teams for me, spoiler alert. My first forward for the second team is Kevin Durant. Um, forwards for the second team were, for the stats one, was Giannis and Durant. So this is, um, Durant makes it second team for both stats and my personal one. He's been really good. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know how much more we can say. Um, <laughs> about Kevin Durant. He is like, I think one of the NBA's great models of consistency, maybe ever. I mean, it's just like clockwork every year. Um, I mean, the, the, the pure point output has maybe got down a little bit since he's come to golden state, but you can pretty much count on this guy being 25 to 30 points, 50% from the field, 40% from three. Um, there was a lot of talk about him up in his defense this year. I think for a little bit, he might have even led the league in blocks per game. Um, so he's been he's been fantastic, um, just year in year out. Like I said, just plugging away. His true shooting percentage. Oh, he's gonna kill you for the for last blog boy. <laughs> That's true. He's been over sixty for seven seasons. 
And his true shooting percentage over those seven seasons is 63.6. Um, it's just insane. He's, he's just like a walking 25 to 30 point game. That's my first uh, forward for the second team. Yeah, I, I had him too. And there's really just nothing else to add. His defense has kind of fallen off as the year went on. I think you can say the same for the Warriors in general. They just don't appear concerned with stopping transition opportunities off of missed shots or really defending if they commit a turnover at all. And I think they'll they'll ratchet it up during the playoffs, so that doesn't concern me too much. He's he's just been he's been great and it feels weird that we're trying to, or maybe some people actually have genuine concern about the Warriors in the first round, um, regardless of who they face. But yes, they're missing Stephen Curry at the same time, which is like you have Kevin Durant, who is still a top five player in the game right now, or at least he's right there. If you, maybe some people would put more more players in front of him this year, but he's been absolutely spectacular. And everything you said, he's just you, you just pencil him in for fifty percent shooting. 40% from beyond the arc. He's posing the second highest effective field goal rate of his career this season. Uh, I just, there's not, I don't, I mean, it's just, it's weird that he's on the second team almost for me, but it's just the other two guys that are the few guys that are going to end up being in front of him. I just couldn't displace. Yeah. Same here. Who was your, Oh yeah. You took Durant. Uh, so it's back to me. And I have Jimmy Butler, another guy that I and I I, I have him too. So think, speak on both of our behalfs, please. I was going to say this one's not as much of a cheating on positions uh, as my other two were, uh, but he is listed mostly at shooting guard by Basketball Reference. The fact that him and Andrew Wiggins are I, I, they basically play the same position, so I'm totally fine. And if you want to make yourself feel better, cleaning the glass has him at 94 percent at small forward, five percent at power forward this year. So, oh, all right, I'll take it. Um, he is—he's only played in fifty-eight games this season. Almost even minutes. Yeah, even still, he's—he surpassed my two thousand minute threshold that I wanted for my personal picks, and he's still fourteenth in the NBA in real plus-minus wins. Oh wow! Um, everybody in front of him. Listen to the, so he's played fifty-eight. Here's the guys in front of him. In real plus minus wins, which is a cumulative stat. So, like I said earlier, the more you play, the more you get. Kemba Walker, 79 games. Carl Anthony Towns, 81. Otto Porter, 76. Nikola Jokic, 74. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole list. Everybody has at least 72. Um, for him to be in this company playing fewer than 60 games, like I said earlier, to me, this is a top 5 to 10 level player. I think that's where he was last year. I think that's where he was for most of this season. And if he hadn't gone down, I, I think Minnesota would have clinched by now. I think they would be comfortably in. I think people might be talking about them as one of these teams to worry about in the first round. Uh, but without him, they are they're very much like the team last year that wasn't even close to the playoffs. Um, and now they find themselves in a play on, play-in game after they were pretty much a lock, I don't, I don't know, a month ago. Um, his impact is just massive. And I think we've gone over these numbers in recent episodes too, but the on-off swing with him is still just massive. Um, I think it was you who said on a podcast recently that just what happens to their defense <laughs> when he's on and off the floor is insane. 
just raw numbers, regardless of who he's playing with, when he's on the floor, the Timberwolves allow 105 points per 100 possessions. When he's off, they allow 112.4. When he's on, they outscore opponents by 8.3 points per 100 possessions. When he's off, they're outscored by 4.6. Um, it's, I mean, his impact on the Wolves, I mean, it, it was franchise changing until he got hurt again. And now I hope that he can get back to full health. And shout out to Tibbs. I feel like they probably brought him back a little too early, but they're at least being conservative with his minutes. So, um, yeah, he is my second team forward along with Kevin Durant. Uh, yeah, I don't, there's nothing else you can add. It's just their point differential is incredible. That, that swing w- without him is just yeah. a- absolutely nuts. It's basically the equivalent of having the third best net rating in the league or having a lower net rating than that of the New York Knicks. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's night and day. Um, like I said, and when he first went down, I thought this is this is just the same team they had last year that wasn't even close. I mean, Jeff, with apologies to Jeff Teague, um, but if you if you entrust more of your playmaking and everything else to Andrew Wiggins, you're going to be in trouble. Um, but this isn't a podcast about Andrew Wiggins. Who's your first uh, second team guard? Um, these are going to be picks that I think people just rail against, but, um, I'm going with Chris Paul. He, it felt he's the league leader in RPM right now, not in guards. He's just a league leader in ESPN's real plus minus. And has been for most of the season. Right. And he's, so he's, he's changed his role while not changing his role. If that makes any sense. We got into this on the last podcast. His three point attempt rate has never been higher. He's even getting more of his looks inside three feet slightly more it's a negligible amount but still at his age that's fairly impressive he's basically it just he went from shooting 26.1 percent of his shots between 16 feet and the three-point line last year in los angeles to 11.1 percent this year that just that one season swing it's by far and away the lowest mark of his career he's never taken fewer than 20 percent of his looks on long twos and what i also found interesting though is that He's actually been assisted on fewer baskets this year than last year, which is nuts. So he, 14.5% of his made baskets are coming off assists this year, and that's compared to last year, it was 21.4. That's a significant drop because the Rockets are just monsters in isolation. And when you look at every player in the league who's used at least two, uh, used at least a total of 75 ISO possessions this year, James Harden and Chris Paul, respectively, ranked first and second in points per possession. They are av- the Rockets as a team are averaging more points per isolation possession than more points per possession overall. It's like one point one two seven compared to one point one. Yeah, it's it's just <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. And what he he can still he still helps them a bunch defensively. And so the fact that he's changed his shot selection, but you're still working in all these kind of just one on one touches with him. Maybe there are some issues with that in the playoffs, but the Rockets have the best crunch time net rating in the league, and it was just tough for me to pick against him, even though he is going to have end up playing in what is even his final final game tally at this point. I, I just even just closed out his page, so I'm not even incredibly aware of it. So I, I get it. He's not going to have 65 appearances to his name. I know that much, and I also just I don't care. He'll have he's got 57 right now. Oh, so he's going to have under 60, and yeah. I just. I'm fine with it. He's been he's been good, and to do it in a new situation 
changing up his shot selection. And, and yeah, you know, they're, they're, it's different. It is different. His, it's, it, he's running more with second units than he would have in Los Angeles. It's great that his usage rate is actually up from what it was with the Clippers last year. Uh, it, he's just working. His true shooting percentage is once again over 60. To not have to suffer a drop-off at all when you are changing your shot selection, I, I do believe that that warrants um, a lot more praise than it, than it's actually getting. He was in the by-the-numbers teams. Him and Stephen Curry were the, the two guards, which is crazy because, like you just said, Chris Paul's not even going to play 60 games. And three of the four ranks that I averaged in were cumulative stats. So he's been, when he's been on the floor, he's been incredible. And the same can be said of Stephen Curry, who also um, isn't even close to 2,000 minutes, but still made second team if it was just purely based on the numbers that I ran. Um, But to make things, again, (laughs) easier on myself, I I instituted that 2,000-minute limit so I didn't have to worry about uh, the Stephen Curry and Chris Paul question. Cause I, I think they probably do deserve recognition. Um, but with my 2000 minute limit that I threw on there, uh, they were both eliminated and my, so I'll give you my first second team guard was Kyle Lowry. Um, I, year after year after year, it seems like there's a lot of people the general idea is that DeMar DeRozan is Toronto's best player, I feel like. And I, I'm just not sure that's ever been true. <laughs> I think it's basically always been Kyle Lowry. Um, DeMar DeRozan deserves a ton of credit, and I don't have a problem with you getting him in on your third team. But to me, the Raptors and all of this recent success that they've had, uh, so much of it can be attributed to Kyle Lowry. His average rank... Um, on that thing I did was 13th and then DeRozan's was 25th which is actually way up for him uh, than it was last season but Lowry has just been like I said he's been unbelievable this season his effective field goal percentage is almost 6 points higher than DeMar DeRozan's Um, his raw scoring isn't anywhere near as high as DeRozan's but he's you know he averages almost 7 assists a game Um, the defense is always there with him. I I think he deserves credit for being able to run the team in, in a new way this season. Um, we've talked a lot about how Toronto has completely sort of shifted their game plan and the way that they play. And he's, I I think he's been a great leader of that and they're going to win. I mean, they're, they are the number one team in the East and if they win their last game, they will be a 60 win team. And so I felt like I needed to go ahead and reward the best player on a 60-win team in the East, and that was Kyle Lowry. Way to throw some shuttle, subtle shade at DeMar DeRozan. I'm with it, though. Um, <laughs> my other guard in the second team was, was a guy who's only going to have 51 regular season appearances under his belt, and that is Stephen Curry. I also don't feel bad about this. He would have been a first-team pick for me. Yeah, if, for sure. If he never got injured. He's posting the highest true shooting percentage of his career and in the league, 67.5, mm-hmm. according to basketball reference. He's just so much more important to Golden State than people realize. He's more important to them, more indispensable more indispensable to them than Kevin Durant. 
And I, I think by a mile at this point. And this is I'm working with an incredibly small sample here, but not really. So Kevin Durant, but not really for Durant. Kevin Durant has played 250 minutes without Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Stephen Curry on the court. So as Golden State's lone star, the Warriors are a minus 1.5 points per 100 possessions in that time. A net minus. In the time Stephen Curry, which is admittedly about a third of the time that Kevin Durant has spent on his own, in the time that Stephen Curry has spent on his own, the Warriors are a plus 22.2 points per 100 possessions. The sample size there matters at the same time. It doesn't surprise me in the least because we've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast. Stephen Curry changes the way that defenses have to guard the Warriors, even more so than ever now because he's incorporated a floater, more fakes, these circus shots around the rim. It's just, it's absolutely incredible. And you look at their on-off differential. Okay, yeah, without Stephen Curry, they're still outscoring teams by 3.9 points per 100 possessions overall. That represents the biggest net rating differential on the team because they're a plus 14.7 with him. He's the difference from them being good, from being good to really good and just absolutely otherworldly, perhaps Mm -hmm. unbeatable. And I, I think that's the only case you need. The other thing is, his defense, I know they get to move him around a lot, but we're not talking James Harden shimmying over here. He, you don't have to hide him as much in the pick and roll or, or hope to stash him on these players. The Warriors can, and they do, because they have the personnel to do it, but he's not a defensive liability. And this year, James Harden hasn't been either because the, the Rockets also have the personnel. And I'm not, I don't mean to turn this into a James Harden slam fest. It's just, I, that's also another thing that seems to get overblown a little bit. I know 51 games isn't a lot, but I think Curry has done more than enough. He cleared, if he didn't clear 1,500 minutes, it would have been tough for me to do it, but he got to 1631 on the season, so I'm, I'm, I'm down with it. His average, um, when I averaged the ranks from those seven things, he still came up seventh in the league, despite only playing 51 games. Nuts. He's third in real plus minus overall, too. It's yeah, he he's he was unbelievable this season. Um so I have no gripes with that. My other second team guard was Russell Westbrook. Um I think you I think you made the case for him pretty well uh for third team. I think it'll just be fun to see him chase sixteen rebounds tonight to see if he can <laughs> or tomorrow night. Again, I don't know if it's tonight or tomorrow night. It either way. Um you guys probably will have seen it by the time you listen to this. If he gets 16 rebounds, he'll average a triple-double for the second year in a row, which chasing stats or not is still crazy to me. Um, and it's not like the, the Thunder's on-off differential with him is just – it's huge. It's, it's insane, yeah. He's clearly helping them win games. And, is, I mean, he's clearly – they're in the playoffs, and I think a lot of people are rightfully a little bit scared um, of that team. And it, it's – you know, Russell Westbrook is obviously the head of that machine. Um, do you want to jump back back to the lead for first team? Uh, yeah, so let's do guards. Just keep this rotate, uh, this snake picking yeah. model going. I went with James Harden. I know, shocking. Shocker, he, yeah. He's just been, he's been nuts himself. He's probably going to win the MVP. I made a case. For LeBron James, fully aware that it probably wouldn't matter. James Harden has just been nuts this year. He seems to rank in the top three of basically every catch-all metric there is. Value over replacement, ESPN's RPM. 
he leads the league in scoring, 30.6 points per game, still dishing out 8.7 assists per game, even though his role on offense has changed a little bit. We just talked about how he's been the most efficient isolation scorer in basketball, that his efficiency has climbed so much this year compared to last year is is just kind of scary. We saw him shoot under 35% um, on threes last year while he was attempting 9.2 per 36 minutes. He's at 10.2 per 36 minutes this year and shooting 36.6% overall, which is just a tidy spot to be in. He He's missed some time, but he hasn't had to play as many minutes per game. He's about a minute per game lower than he was last year, and I think that's going to be well bode well for him in the playoffs because we saw him kind of peter out last year when he was trying to lead the Rockets on his own his defense as I alluded to alluded to before has been far from detrimental he showed that he can hang with some of the bigger ball handlers one-on-one he showed that he has the strength and girth yet again to just be a mainstay in the post and the Rockets have the personnel to move things around there he's just been absolutely fantastic and I, I again I fully expect him to win the MVP award and it's not he again. I made the case for LeBron James, but I'll, I have to say he he would deserve it if he got it. You look, Chris Paul. We just talked about this. I picked him despite the fact he's going to play under sixty games in the season. The Rockets have the best record in the NBA, even though their second best player has missed all that time. And and James Harden is just this monstrous part of that. He's been fantastic, and I don't think league leader in per. He's been better than. He, if we look at his last three seasons, and he's finished the runner-up in MVP twice, he's been way better, in my opinion, than he has at any point over those three campaigns. So his average rank uh, among those seven categories was 1.3, which was the best of anybody, obviously. The second best average rank was LeBron James at 4.7. Damn. <laughs> 1.3 to 4.7. Uh, he, he's he's also uh, my first team All NBA guard. The by the numbers guards were Harden and Lillard, and I'm not going to add anything to what you said about Harden beyond what I already did because I thought you made a very strong case for him. Lillard, um, unless you want to talk about him first, he he is my other. He's my pick too. First so team speak on behalf NBA of guard. us again. When he's on the floor, Portland outscores opponents by 4.7 points per hundred possessions. When he's off. They're outscored by 4.4, um, by far the biggest swing of any player on the Blazers. Um, his raw numbers, 27 points, 6.5 assists, 4.5 rebounds, over three threes per game, um, effective field goal percentage nearly four, or 52, true shooting percentage nearly 60. Um, he's been unbelievable this season, and I think one of the biggest – one of the biggest feathers in his all NBA cap is no one could have seen Portland finishing third in the West this season. Um, even like that a they're still the there season. as they've stumbled. Yeah. Yeah. And Utah can overtake them and finish third if they win out. Um, but even, even still Portland being where they are is just a testament. I, I think largely to Terry Stotts and CJ McCollum deserves some credit and uh, Shabazz Napier was a nice surprise. Yusuf Nurkic just had some nice moments. But <laughs> no one would argue against the fact that this is this is largely a Damian Lillard thing happening this season. He's just been unbelievable all year long. Uh, he's, I, I think, fairly comfortably first team for me. 
Yeah, I don't really have anything to add, except for the, the thing that I was just a little bit surprised by because he's never viewed as this great playmaking point guard. So when I looked up the percent of the team's total offense that every player in the league accounted for, he came in at fourth behind only Harden, Westbrook, and James. Oh, man, that is surprising. I didn't even notice that when you tweeted that out. It went LeBron at one, which, wow. Russell Westbrook, two. James Harden, three, which is also wow when you consider Chris Paul's there. Damian Lillard was four at just a tick over 35%. That's, That's a testament crazy. to what he's done. He's been he's been better defensively this year too. He's just not dying on screens like he would last year. And a lot of people are going to credit Terry Stotts' scheme as they should. I think he has really helped what Yosef Nurkic has been able to do defensively this year. But uh, Damian Lillard's been he's better there. And to say that when at this stage of his career, uh, when he's as old as he is, you don't really see that just kind of. I don't want to say extra effort, but he, you know, he's 27. He's going to turn 28 over the summer. He's just, he's been better. You don't see that a lot. Yep. Who do you have for forward? My first forward is Giannis Atentacumpo. Uh, first team for me, by the way, was just surprisingly easy until I got to the center spot where I started to mess with some stuff. But he's been, the Bucks have fallen off. And they, I would say Bucks have to be the most disappointing team in the NBA this year, right? Yeah, they're certainly in the conversation. Um, off the top of my head, I'd probably say yeah. But he's still been unreal. And mm-hmm. it it hasn't come. We were all just waiting. Was he ever going to have this consistent jump shot? He still doesn't need it. Uh, he's just, uh, his per game lines, 27.1 points, 10 rebounds, 4.8 assists, 1.5 steals, 1.4 blocks, shooting 53.1%. Um, from the field overall he's shooting 30.9 percent from three by the way which is relevant because we just kind of commended demar Derozan for hey yeah you're, sh- you're shooting all, like over 31 percent from beyond the arc doesn't come in, on as much volume he's willing to take them and i think that matters it's it's why i think in the playoffs you're, you probably won't see as much of a drop off from him or a drop off at all or maybe someone like ben simmons who just isn't even going to shoot the three in the half court or off the dribble but Giannis, he's just—he's everything. He's—he's he's every position rolled up into one. The Bucks can use him as a roll guy in the pick and roll. They can use him as a rim protector. He can jumpstart pick and rolls. We had an interesting conversation on a previous podcast about how he does seem to be—he has that Russell Westbrook gene where he's more force of nature than just craftsman, and he doesn't—not that he passes out of spite, but he passes because how could you not pass? Because these guys are so open. It's not like a Ben Simmons type guy or a LeBron James type of explosion. He's still just absolutely fantastic. And I don't I would say he's very clearly been top five, top seven player at worst this year. And even with the Bucks' fall off, I don't know how you don't put him on the first team. The the guy has a true shooting percentage of sixty on the button, which is a career high. That's crazy. And that's without being able to shoot threes. Yeah, his average rank was the fifth best in the league. So top five is is certainly not a crazy thing to say. Um, I had him first team as well, and I actually the first team forwards for the just straight up numbers one was LeBron and Anthony Davis. I put Anthony Davis there just because Cousins was the center when he was healthy, and then they went out and signed Emeka Okafor. And I I think there's plenty of reason to say Davis is a center, but maybe more on that later. Um, I'm with you on Giannis. My uncle. Other forward, and this one will be probably about as shocking as James Harden, was LeBron James. Um, and we, y- you laid out a very strong case for him to win Most Valuable Player. I'm impressed uh, in that you our think last... he was strong. 
in our last podcast. So there's not a ton I can add to that either. I, I mean, I don't know what to say about LeBron James <laughs> that hasn't already been said. The fact that he leads the NBA in points plus points generated in assists, um, or maybe not. He, he represents the highest percentage of his team's offense. Um, both of a red flag and overwhelmingly impressive. Just, yeah, well, yeah, red flag for the Cavs in the playoffs, but certainly impressive for LeBron personally. Just, I don't know how he's still doing this um, at this age. He's just, he's destroying every convention we've ever seen or known about basketball year after year after year. In an age 30 season to average 28, 9, and 9. Um, just insane. I, I I said age 33, right? Um, just unbelievable. I don't know what else to say. The only thing that I think we can add is that now he's just this high-volume threat on pull-up threes. I went through this a few weeks ago. 2013-2014, 11.6% of his field goal attempts uh, were pull-up threes. He shot 336 2014, 2015, 15.6% of his field goal attempts were pull-up threes, 33.7%. 2015, 2016, 11.8% of his field goal attempts were pull-up threes. He shot 30.2% on them. Last year, 14.7% of his field goal attempts were pull-up threes. He shot just a tick under 35%. This year, over 18% of his shots are coming as pull-up threes. He's shooting better than 36%. On them, LeBron James can pull up from three, and you have to respect it. Now, that's just what you add to it. I've, he's doing I, his. He takes plays off on defense too many. He really just hasn't tried this year. But when he wants to, and we talked about this too, he's going to be the guy that can defend anyone. Whether that's John Wall, whether it's Ben Simmons, whether it's Giannis, he's he can be the guy that defends anyone. Still, it's also crazy that he's about to play eighty-two games for the first time in his career, and he leads the league in minutes per game. It's both incredible and borderline irresponsible. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good, uh, yeah, that applies to a lot of stuff that we've said here. Like you said, kind of scary for the Cavs going into the playoffs, I guess, but just remarkable individual play. Now, are you ready for me to really mess with the numbers now? For the first time, I think I at least adhered to what Cleaning the Glass actually said for me up until now. And this this is the pick that basically threw everything off, is I could not stand to not put Anthony Davis on a first team. And so because of DeMarcus Cousins' injury, he ended up, per cleaning the glass, finishing 55% of his minutes at power forward, 45% of his minutes at center. He has a game left to play, so there's still a chance that he could go up a little bit. Basketball reference actually has him um, 51% at center and 49 at power forward. So it was just close enough to where, and he, it was close enough to where I could put him as a center and argue for it. Whereas LaMarcus Aldridge, both on basketball reference and cleaning the glass was 62 and 38. And I felt weird listing him as a power forward when he was at 38%, but he was also good enough for me to want to throw off balance. And this meant I couldn't pick Horford or Aldridge in one of the subsequent teams, 28.2 points per game, 11 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.5 steals, league leading 2.6 blocks, shooting 53.5% from the floor overall. He's attempting 2.2 three-point attempts per 36 minutes, career high. He's also shooting a career high 34.2% from beyond the arc, and that just makes him tougher to defend. Career high from the free throw line, not in free throw rate, but 83.4% at the charity stripe. He's just been an absolute beast. And here's something I found 
um, incredibly interesting. And I know that big guys are going to take more contested shot opportunities overall, but Anthony Davis isn't Giannis Antetokounmpo where he just he's just, I don't know, finishing through traffic with this insane length off the dribble every five seconds. Anthony Davis ranks third in very tightly contested field goal attempts at 221. He's shooting 60% on on these looks. And that's crazy. That's just, that again, there is a, if just for perspective, Nurkic is first in the league. He's shooting 54.6%. Drummond is second, under 60. Giannis is fourth. He's at 66.8 because he's nuts. But it's just... It's incredible. Russell Westbrook is sixth, and he's shooting 53.1%. So, yeah, we're talking about point-blank looks mostly, but that's just absurd. Anthony Davis has been absolutely nuts. He is my first team center as well. I also bumped him up to center to make sure that he would be uh, – well, he would have been first team by the numbers anyway. He just would have been there as a forward. I actually bumped him to center to make sure Giannis got onto the first team. Um, the first team center by the numbers was actually Nikola Jokic. Um some numbers, I'm just going to add a couple things to Anthony Davis. Um, just another update on what he's done since DeMarcus Cousins went, went down. It's now been 32 games that he's played without DeMarcus Cousins in the rotation. 30.4 points, 11.8 rebounds, 3.1 blocks, 2.2 assists, 2 steals, 51.6% from the field, 34.1% from three and almost one made three per game. Um, Crazy. Unbelievable <laughs> production. And for him to drag the Pelicans into the playoffs when I think a lot of people rightfully thought they were dead in the water when DeMarcus Cousins went down, just an incredible season. Um, absolutely deserving of first team, in my opinion. The other thing I wanted to share on him real quick, here is the top eight players in career player efficiency rating um, among players with at least as many minutes as Davis. Davis has played just over 14,000 minutes in his career. Number eight, Kevin Durant. Number seven, Chris Paul. Number six, Wilt Chamberlain. Number five, David Robinson. Number four, Shaquille O'Neal. Number three, Anthony Davis. Number two, LeBron James. Number one, Michael Jordan. Um, Jordan and LeBron, only two players with a higher PER. And, and PER's uh, issues and deficiencies have been discussed all over the internet. But I, I look at that as just, um, to me, it's still a good measure of like a high-volume offensive player. And any, if, you're, if the only guys you're trailing in any catch-all metric are Michael Jordan and LeBron James, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. It's not like he's just random companies all around him once you get to that point with the volume he's had yeah there's merit to it absolutely in front of Shaq David Robinson Bolt Chamberlain um he's unbelievable he, he's absolutely deserving of of the first team nod um and and like you said it's really not much of a stretch to say he was a center this season do we want to recap our teams real quick we went through it all all right so I'll read off my third team my okay. guard Russell Westbrook my other guard, Victor Oladipo. My two forwards were DeMar DeRozan and Paul George. My center was Nicole Jokic. All right. Third team by the numbers was Westbrook, Butler, Porter, George, and Aldridge. Mine was Kemba, Oladipo, Simmons, Aldridge, and Towns. We just need to emphasize that Kemba, that Kemba made your team the third team. Yeah. I respect <laughs> that so much. 
your second team. I had Curry and Chris Paul were my guards. Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant as my forwards. Joel Embiid as my center. Second team by the numbers was Curry, Chris Paul, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and Carl Anthony Towns. Mine was Russell Westbrook, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant, and Nikola Jokic. We should say that you implemented, your again, your own personal 2,000-minute minimum for your own teams. Yeah, true. Thanks for sharing that. Keep me keep the trolls away from me, Dan. They're still going to come because I'm going to be one of them. <laughs> but anyway, my first team, guards, and I thought the first four of these were pretty easy. James Harden, Damian Lillard, uh, forwards, Giannis Attentacumpo, and LeBron James. And then center is where I really did some massive fudging. That was Anthony Davis, and I feel A-OK about doing it. The numbers one uh, was James Harden, Damian Lillard, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Nikola Jokic. Uh, my personal one was James Harden, Damian Leather, LeBron James, Yanni Antetokounmpo, and Anthony Davis. So we were – that's the one we agreed on, right? We had all the same in first team. Oh, yeah, we did. I didn't even notice that. So that must – that's clearly correct um, if we both picked all those guys for that first is, team. That is the team. Stephen Curry would have made first team if he didn't uh, – or Chris Paul. Had any of them gotten to like 2,000 minutes, they both would have – one of them would have made first Probably would have, yeah. And – Probably won't be surprising if those five guys are the legit first team, too, once it's announced. The Damian Lillard um, one is the only just— Yeah, that's the slight question mark. And the one—I'm I'm just wondering how voters will treat Anthony Davis. I think most of them will use him as a center, but I'm curious well, to was, see. They, they did say he was a center last year, so he's kind of got that going for him. I wonder if Westbrook will get in over Lillard for first team. That would be ridiculous. Sorry, but that'll just be— Who, who else would they put over him? Curry, maybe? It would, if it wasn't Curry or Paul, just because of sample sizes, I think Curry, there, there's no, if Curry makes first team on 51 games, that's going to cause, I, I know I put him second team, but. Feeling, like, not to throw too much shade at other writers out there, but the one that I could see happening with the way that the voting is, is Westbrook. Oh, good. It'll be like when he stole the MVP award last year. <laughs> um if you want to agree or disagree with us or yell at us um, on Twitter, please don't you can yell. Find... <laughs> I've had enough. My mentions have just been a mess the past couple of weeks. Um, send Dan nice words and yell at me. Thank you. Uh, I'll, that's fine with me. Uh, Dan Favalli, F A V A L E. I'm at Andrew D Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. Um, and like Dan said, if you go to nbamath.com slash shop and enter the promo code Benno, B-E-N-O, you can get 15% off any item in the NBA math shop. Uh, as always, be sure to review and rate the podcast. If you haven't done that already, someone like threatened me with a, um, <laughs> I was just about to rate it, but you annoyed me on Twitter the other day and I thought it was hilarious. Um, I just let it sit. And do it but... for me because we both know that I don't annoy <laughs> anyone on Twitter, especially Daryl Morey, was... who most definitely still follows me and most definitely did not fake block me. Oh, man. Um, yeah, leave the reviews. Leave the ratings. Tell people to subscribe. We appreciate all that stuff. Seriously, um, it is cool to see the reviews. Uh, like Dan said, sometimes we'll take screenshots and send them to each other. And it is like sometimes it's kind of surreal to me that people <laughs> listen, listen to, to us, us and say such nice things about us. It's like it's really cool. If so you thank got, you guys. If you guys could really just see Andy Belly's reactions, I don't know why I used your full name there, but uh, <laughs> if you could see Andy's reactions when I send him, 
uh, our downloads and total streams after each episode or for every month, he's like, no way. It's great. <laughs> it is. It's awesome. And we appreciate um, each and every one of you, no matter how much you may dislike Andy's Twitter personality. <laughs> um, until next time, we leave you with a shout out to Kyle Anderson and Bino Udry. <laughs>